This is Americana Podcast, the 51st state. It's a new year, Americana podcast listeners, and with the new year means new discussions on what makes Americana, well, Americana. When we look at this genre, we talk a lot of its history and its future. And over time, we've been able to piece together this ongoing timeline and certain elements that are key to its existence. Bass influences in songwriting, certain instrumentation, and geography. And if you're a longtime listener, you'd know that many of our previous guests have attributed a great deal of their musical identity to where they've learned music from. This, of course, is a holdover from the New World mentality in the West, where many genres develop due to particularly regional and social integrations over extended periods of time. When looking at Americana, we are looking at the European folk trad to bluegrass, blues to rock, and then rock and bluegrass to country as we know it today. That's a lot of words to basically say that the place that you identify as home has as significant of an effect on your musical education as whose albums you choose to listen to growing up. And Kentucky aside, some of the artists that know that best are from Texas and Oklahoma. There's a lot of opinions on the state of red dirt music in Texas country. Developing as a subgenre in the late 80s to early 90s and continuing throughout the early aughts, this very regional brand of music came up in response to commercial country. And I'm not talking Florida Georgia Line commercial, I'm talking Tim McGraw commercial, who we love. But there's a lot of ups and downs and opinions in the overall conversation. But the general one is that red dirt and Texas country became a space for outsiders beyond the Nashville standard. Piggybacking off the outlaw movement and the historical legacies of artists, particularly that of Texas native Willie Nelson, these scenes were able to flourish in their own respective regions and began to go a bit beyond. They were in a real position to challenge the value of the industry standard. They developed loyal followings, local radio play, the works, but due to a long series of unfortunate commercial circumstances, the scenes have presently been relegated to very much south of the Red River. And I could go on about this, but fortunately, this episode, you can get it straight from the quarter horse's mouth. As this episode was recorded during Fan Appreciation Day in September of 2022, I personally told Robert Keane to go enjoy his tour retirement party and took over as host. Anyways, I got to speak with the artists who possibly have the most pertinent opinions on the state of red dirt in Texas country and their weight in the views of Americana music. On this episode, we have musical and actual giant Ray Benson from Asleep at the Wheel, defender of the dance hall Randy Rogers, Okie not from Muskogee Jason Boland of Jason Boland and the Stragglers, Youngblood William Beckman, Whip Smart Wade Bowen, and philanthropist at heart Josh Abbott. So saddle up and enjoy the show. I'm your producer and host... Clara Rose, and this is Americana Podcast, the 51st state. I saw miles and miles of Texas, all the stars up in the sky. I saw miles and miles of Texas, 
My name is Jason Boland. I'm originally from Hera, Oklahoma, and live in Canyon Lake, Texas nowadays. And uh, we kind of touched on this already, but yeah. center of red dirt and Texas the country. The Texas red dirt definition. Um, alternative country to what was going on in mainstream needed a name. And I think the uh, Oklahoma, Texas area, for some reason, just bred a lot of the type of people that were into folk music and into ways they wanted to do it, like a real do-it-yourself attitude, and it was all about being original. So as this scene keeps getting bigger and bigger through the you know the early 90s, um, a lot of people were just calling it uh, alt-country, uh, no-depression music, and then when the Texas scene blew up, so many people started calling it Texas music that it just sounded weird to call the Great Divide and Cross Canadian Ragweed and the Red Dirt Rangers Texas country because it was just like we were all, they were hardcore Okies. So um, some of the older singer-songwriters had coined the term Red Dirt music just for their own way of defining what they played, not as being, everybody was getting so burned out already on what top 40 pop country always just trying to follow what pop music was doing they were always already getting so sick of it that it created this underground and then you're left with the task of labeling it so we all know what to put on the t-shirts but um for the simplest definition it's just that red dirt was okies really in the early days and now people will just say texas red dirt Sometimes I'll tell people it's Tornado Alley music. <laughs> I you like know, that definition. It's just a big it. swath of middle America and truly the middle part. And um, I think it really goes back to um, the heart and soul of it was just being true to yourself and original. Mm -hmm. Just do what you do. And that's going to be the best you there is. And never try to chase what Nashville was doing or chase what, you know, which is really just what pop music is doing yeah. a few years later and then country kind of does a different version of it that's usually worse than the yeah they'd add a steel guitar to it maybe yeah so yeah. oh god dang so well uh since we're kind of on the subject i'd love to talk about you and your band jason Bolin and the stragglers so tell me about when you started where you started out yeah i went to move to stillwater in 93 after i graduated high school and started going to school there because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was one of those and mm -hmm. just knew you were supposed to go to college next. So I picked the most laid back one I could find, which was Oklahoma State. Checks out. And fortunately, there was this this uh, community of singer, songwriter, hippies and rockers and burnouts <laughs> and dropouts. And they were just all the coolest guys and gals. And we uh, I got introduced to him through Mike McClure like I said and then Cody Canada and there was a there were bars around there that were always hiring musicians and these people would go out night after night it was insane and you really don't have a scene unless you have the people going out to watch it and they were ravenous for music that wasn't your normal junk on the radio so we gave it to them and then in 98 I started hanging around a guitar player named Roger Ray mm -hmm. from uh, Vian, Oklahoma. And he said, I've got a guy that can play bass. And that was Grant Tracy. And I said, oh, I know a guy that plays drums. And that was Brad Rice. And the four of us sat down in September of 98 and did our first rehearsal. Played a few shows at the end of that year. And then 
we met Lloyd through Mike McClure in late 99. Lloyd Mains. Yeah, yeah. And put out our first album, Pearl Snaps, in January of 2000. Wow. And didn't know what we were doing. I mean, it's, a, it's that cliche to be like, I didn't think it would do anything. or You, you don't even know what it is yet. Mm -hmm. We just knew we love music. We love playing out in front of people and loved writing songs. And here we are 22 years later, right? Yeah. So what have you been working on lately? Uh, we or just what do you have out now? We released an album, I guess, last December called The Light Saw Me, which was a concept album. It was actually about a, a guy getting kidnapped by aliens and mm -hmm. dropped in the future. And it was a lot of fun. It was, it was the right place to be for us at that time where we had just done a couple albums that felt like you're just doing songs, mm -hmm. you know, I liked them, but you know, I wanted something different. So we put that one out and it's been fun. We've been playing the whole album for a while mm -hmm. and now we've cut it down to, we've played the first few, but were you going top to bottom through it? Yeah. Or? Okay. Cool, yeah. Cool. With voiceovers and stuff. It's, it was, it's been a lot of fun and now it's time to start working on another one. I've got a few songs brewing. I think this one's going to be real autobiographical where mm -hmm. we are in our career. It's going to, take a look at things you know yeah that sounds really exciting um so how would you say that this last recording experience was uh versus maybe what you're looking at now just having a better sense of what you're doing just mm -hmm. more focus uh we went into the studio really ready to go and we we had it the last few times but this one especially with it being a concept album it it just really narrows your focus you you were able to see the narrative of it and then the narrative facilitated better rehearsals mm -hmm. and it was when we hit the studio we were we were on and that lets a producer really do something else then they can they can uh do their work um, on their creative end rather than just getting you through the songs and saying okay you need to write the rest of that one but well, it was it was fun well speaking of songwriting so who are some of your influences which i know it's a really basic question but i'd love to know who some of your Robert influences Earl King, are. Well, Mike yeah. McClure. They, uh, Bob Childers was a guy around Stillwater that was really uh, instrumental. And I, I think the important thing is just to find your voice. Mm -hmm. And if you're always comparing it like these, this guy, Bob Dylan's a better songwriter than me or something like that. It's just, it's just different. He's just lived a different life. Just mm -hmm. be as true as you can. And don't, don't try to, A, copy what somebody else is doing you're always going to be standing on the backs of giants you're not going to invent the g chord it's already been done so at the same time you're using your influences but just be personal about it and i i've always found that a lot of times songs that i think is just like nobody's going to get this it's just this is a song about going to austin mm -hmm. and it turned out to be comal county blue which was the title track of our album it resonated with so many people down here and it I, I thought no one was going to like that song because it was just me talking about a day that I was bummed out and wanting to go to Austin. And and then the, sometimes the ones you think, oh, man, this is going to get them. Mm -hmm. And it'll just go past them. I don't know. Yeah, it's, sometimes they're just kind of for you at the end of it all. Yeah, yeah. And, and they don't have to be. Some songs are about one line. Some song, songs are about a riff. Some songs, you know, I've got one called uh, Hard Times Are Relative. Mm -hmm. And it's a... It's kind of a long narrative and it's you know some you wonder where it's going and really it's one of those that the 
the real main focus of the song is the last line of the song mm-hmm. after this you know kind of lengthy wordy song and it's that was the purpose of that one and i being true to yourself part of it is just being true to servicing that song and what it has to say and the cool thing about folk music is sometimes it can be goofy mm-hmm. you get trapped up that it's always got to be cool and there's no tongue in cheek and no there's room for humor and things yeah, like that um, yeah and then the difficult part of it is not to make that overly campy mm-hmm. or derivative you know and you walk this line of like most folk songs have to have some form of narrative and and again lots of them don't lots of them aren't about anything you know like uh, if I had a boat or something, you know, songs like that. It's just sometimes they're just songs too. But um, I think we were producing an album, Squelch, with Jim Ward from the at the, from at the Drive-In and Sparta, and he even said that one time. He said, "Yeah, but your songs ha- kind of have to make sense." <laughs> and <laughs> rock and roll a lot of times gets away with just vague, cool-sounding things. And well, it can at the Drive-In definitely did. Yeah, specifically that. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, it was and. We do that too, but mm-hmm. I think a lot of times that's the h- if there is a hard part of writing what I consider enjoyable folk music is that walking the line between not too serious all the time and then not too campy, and it's like a balancing act for well, me. Well, speaking of balancing acts, the so the sh- this show is based around kind of talking about Americana music and like us figuring out what Americana specifically is. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on it as a genre or uh, if you would consider yourself an Americana artist. I know we talked about Red Dirt and maybe where that fits or if that starts separate things. I'd love to hear your thoughts yeah. on that. I think Americana is the big umbrella. Mm-hmm. And then you can be a con- more country band. We're a country Americana band. Yeah. And because I've always tried to carry a pedal steel and a fiddle. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, we do sh- shuffles. And I, I would say we tend to be more of a honky-tonk band like a bar styled country band that Mm -hmm. was just always what we gravitated towards but i think americana really just goes back to the birth of what we would call rock and roll Mm -hmm. you know just 12 bar blues music lamentations you know yeah um and everything that stemmed out of that i always think of it like a tree you know I had a friend that said he thinks the first Red Dirt song was Midnight Special, which okay. I s- noticed they're going to do tonight. Yes, Because they are. it was a c- originally a cowboy band at, from Oklahoma that got mm-hmm. the first recording off of that. But I believe it's oh. about somebody from, is it Houston or Beaumont it being in prison? Houston. Houston, yeah. yeah. Looking out and seeing right. the train. and but And, and he, he proposed that, and I thought, yeah, that is... For me personally, when I'm talking about specifically Red Dirt, I told him mine is, uh, this land is your land. Because mm. you got Woody Guthrie ripping off the Carters who were <laughs> ripping off like an old gospel. Not, and I say ripping off, I mean that lightly. Yeah, continually borrowing. Yeah, from. and then all the while complaining about an Irving Berlin song. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. Right. Uh, I, yeah, I think Americana is the big umbrella for alternative music for people who love music made by people who love music rather than people who love making money off people who don't truly understand music, but they know they can get them with some saccharin and some sugar. And, you know, mm-hmm. you get the young kids and you get them, 
well, look at a kid's menu. It's right. not very diverse. Their palate hasn't been, and and now that uh, their palate hasn't been developed, now that there's zero barrier between somebody and getting music, people without a developed palate can choose as fast as they want music. Right. So I always make a joke that you wind up listening to Twinkle Twinkle Little Star to a techno beat and just like sitting there, like electronic braining out rather than I had to earn the right to access my dad's record collection. You know, you had to be initiated into this guild of don't touch these. This is serious. This was, you know, right, I bought this record when, you know, your mom and I first moved to our first house and it was serious and you had to choose it and, and commit to it and listen to it rather than just unlimited access, unlimited skips. Yeah, you, you had a vested interest of time yeah. and money and that was a it would become a reflection of you, so you had to be yeah. serious about it. Yeah. Essentially. And, Am I correct? And the, and the other way around is now you can find so much more great music that you couldn't before, mm -hmm. and that's the give and take. I don't know. It, you just sound old saying, back in my day, you had to... <laughs> well, you know what? That's all going to... It, it continues to change. There's always going yeah. to be a back in my day yeah. as time goes by. That's yeah. the thing, regardless of what happens. Yeah. Um, in terms of like times goes by, the one of the things that we like to finish up here with is we think it's an absolute tragedy that a beautiful instrument such as the B3 organ is named the B3. So we are looking for a new name for the B3 organ, and we would love to hear what you would call it. Uh, the, uh, you don't like B3. It's a yeah, little, it's a little too military, isn't it's it? It's a little flat yeah. there. Um, Um, the solophonic, um, what we need a, a verb, the, s the solophonic attenuator, the solophonic <laughs> no. attenuator. I love I that. It, it's a soul lifting uh, instrument. That's for sure. That it is. It's one of our favorites and it deserves a better name. So the solophonic attenuator is the name for it right now. It sounds sounds good. I like it. I'm a big fan. And Jason, I can't thank you enough for being on. Thanks for really having appreciate me. Really appreciate it. All right. Hey, Randy Rogers here from Johnson County, Texas. Cleburne. Cleburne. Is it Cleburne? Yeah. Or I always thought it was Cleburne. 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 Cleburne Yellow Jackets, uh, currently residing in New Braunfels, yeah. Texas. Uh, Comal County. Comal County. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just we just talked about uh, Comal County Blues with Jason uh, Boland here a second ago. Um, but on that, I just kind of want to start out with, um, what are you working on now these days, Randy? So uh, we just finished and are about to release October 14th, mm. Homecoming. Homecoming. Randy Rogers Band, our ninth studio record. God dang. I'm very proud of that. Yeah. Also kind of feeling old, but uh, ninth studio record uh, produced by Radney Foster, which we have not worked with Radney in, I don't know, a decade or so? Wow. But he was responsible for a Roller Coaster album. 
That was the big one. Which kind of put me on the map, mm-hmm. you know. And so working with him again was it's not a dream come true. It's it's a reality, right? We yeah. wanted, it was like a full circle. We wanted to come back and work with Radney again. I wrote songs with them like every day on Zoom, you know. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, how was that songwriting experience over Zoom? Was that kind of like it's a... a n- it's a new one. Yeah. You know, you just find your way through it. But I mm-hmm. uh, wrote a bunch of songs with Radney and made this record, Homecoming, out October 14th, Randy Rogers Band. Yeah. So how would you kind of describe the difference between like your first recording experience with Roller Coaster and this one then? Like what have you learned? What have you been your biggest takeaways now that you're on the ninth studio? Well, way better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, after 20, so same five guys in the band, 20, almost 21 years. Mm. So I would think that we know what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> and we're nicer to each other. Yes. A little more um, understanding. Probably a little bit less hungry than we were mm-hmm. when we had nothing. Yeah. Um, but we've played how many shows? I mean, how many shows from 2001 to 2022, right? So I mean, we're better. We're definitely better musicians, mm-hmm. uh, better in the studio. Um, it's all about the songs though. Yeah. You know, it's all about songwriting. Man. And so as a songwriter, uh, how would you say that you started out? I wanted to be a... So I'm a victim of 90s country, right? So <laughs> I want that on a t-shirt. Okay. Yeah. I'm a victim of 90s country. So I, I wanted to like fall in love to a song. Like I wanted to dance. I wanted to step. I want to make you cry. Mm-hmm. I want you to feel something like your first ever homecoming dance or something. Like I was in that like nostalgia uh country. Yeah. So now I realize that ship has sailed. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> but I'm still lost good, in yeah. some like weird songwriting world of, I, w- I want to make you dance. I want to make mm-hmm. you fall in love. Right. I want you to have a memory. If you come to my show, I want you to have a memory of that night. You know, like, we danced. Yeah. You know, we... And that's the thing about this kind of music is like it is dancing music, and it's a, it's a bit of a shame that we don't have dance spaces anymore in venues. Um, because exactly. that's what it is. Yeah, dance halls. I mean... It's like save the dance hall, right? Right. Like to me, it's 100% about that experience. Like, I should make you and uh, the guy that just parked his car uh, uh. want to dance. Right. You, you were talking about songwriting and save the dance halls kind of thing. Um, I kind of want to bring up, as a songwriter, especially in the Texas, uh, being a Texas songwriter, um, what are your thoughts on terms of Texas country? Like, what is it, especially in terms of the relationship with Americana music? Yeah, so I think there's and people always uh, call it red dirt too, right? Yeah, red dirt. Yeah, Jason, Jason and I discussed that a little bit earlier. And the difference, right? Because I remember one time, like I was in my early twenties, and someone said, "You play red dirt." I go, "What? I'm not from Oklahoma. Like I am from Texas. Mm-hmm. I play Texas music because of Robert O'Keen and Willie Nelson, right? Right. So it's a interesting um, thing that you get pigeonholed as an artist, right? So you're either Nashville country or you're bro country or you're red dirt country or mm-hmm. you're Texas country or you're Americana, you know? Yeah. So to me, I don't know what I am because I don't think I've ever fit in personally uh, in Nashville. Like, yeah, I tried. I went there, signed a record deal, could not get played on the radio to, like, save my life. Um, Austin, Texas really didn't ever 
accept me as their, you know, native son. Why? Because maybe I signed a deal in Nashville. Like, I don't know. So I never had the, the cred, quote unquote, mm-hmm. and the love. Um, Red Dirt. Nope. Not from Oklahoma. So Texas music. Right. What is Texas music? Texas music is all of us. You right. know, I think like I have friends and uh, the Tejano world, uh, the Norteño world, mm-hmm. uh, the hip hop world. Like. I think Texas music is just all of us. Yeah. And it's hard for other people to understand because like, I have friends that have like 14 number ones. I won't say who, but yeah. 14 number ones on country radio that would wish they mm-hmm. wish they could be. On Americana Radio, on yeah. KMBT 92.1, you know, Radio New Braubles. They wish they could have what we have, which makes no sense because right. they have tons more money. Yeah. And they can play all over the, you know, continental United States and have at least 10,000 people Shut a up. night, right? Mm-hmm. But they don't have what we have. And it's, it's so hard to describe it outside looking in. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, we you're so familiar with this kind of community and this kind of support. And even though there is this like give and take, especially with like Austin or something like that, like you have people that you can kind of keep going back to and pulling from as well as inspiring. And there's always this like really great kind of communication with one another, I think, as Texans. Yeah. I mean, I like I love like yesterday I was listening and turned on a friend of mine to Todd Snyder mm-hmm. for the first time, right? Yeah. You heard Todd Snyder for the first time near truths and hotel rooms. Oh, one of the best. You're sold, right? Right, yeah. 100%. One of my favorites. Hook, line, sinker, you're mm-hmm. in. Todd Snyder's the best singer-songwriter you've ever heard. That's, you know, that's how I feel. And there's so many more mm-hmm. youngsters out there now doing this right. that don't necessarily fit you're right. A genre. Right? Yeah. And this is kind of where Americana comes in as like an umbrella term as we're creating this space. Um, I know we kind of like kind of went on this like spiel, especially like uh, it's hard to define. But if you were to define Americana music to someone who's never heard of the term before, how would you describe it? Well, let's start with the uh, root word. Yes, American. American. Right? Mm-hmm. I would start there. And heartfelt, you know, like. I feel like if I wrote you a song right now and I sang it to you mm-hmm. and I meant it yeah, and I tried my best to write it. I'd probably cry. It belongs in yeah. America. Right. right? <laughs> yeah. So like the artists, like you, you name me four artists that you think that are Americana. Uh, John Prine, Lucero, Margot Price, um, and uh, John Craigie. Yeah. Yeah. John Craigie. We just listened to him on the way here. Oh, right. Yes. So it is the... The music that you relate to, mm-hmm. it is, I, I hate to say blue collar because we're not putting anybody in some kind of financial situation, right? Right. Um, I think it's the blues. Like, I, I've always thought that my music was more like the blues mm-hmm. than it was country. But country music is the blues. Right. It, so No, yeah, it's rooted in it. It's literally the same course. Exactly. Yeah. Right? So Americana music is... I would love to say the Midwest, or mm-hmm. but uh, but we're not even from the Midwest. We're from Texas. No. Yeah, like but it is your average, right? Uh, blue collar, American rooted roots music relationship. You mm-hmm. know, like you broke my heart, you hurt me. I wrote a song about it, <laughs> and yeah. now here we are. We're at the same bar. Yeah, there it is. Oh, man, I love that description, Randy. Yeah. I really that's a good one. 
Um, so we're going to wrap this up. And normally how we wrap this interview up is we at Americana Podcast are crushed that a beautiful instrument like the B3 has a really military name like the B3. So we are looking for a new name for the B3 organ. And we would love to hear your recommendation. Okay. So our guy that plays it every night, his name's Todd mm-hmm. Snyder. Mm. <laughs> Getting Yeah. Todd Stewart. Um, it would have to be... Love on the Loose. Love on the Loose. I love that. Love on the Loose. Man, that makes it sound like a cool movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Because if you play that, you got your love. Yeah, your love is on the loose. All right. Thank you so much, Randy. I really appreciate you that's being on. That's a great on. question. <laughs> Man, it's, <laughs> it does well. Thank you so much. You've been on my mind, and I wish you were here. The sad me. Ray Benson from Austin, Texas, there for the last forty nine years. Yeah, from, from all over. Otherwise, <laughs> yeah, the Austin staple, if there ever was one. Yeah, I've been yeah. stapled to Austin. That's <laughs> <laughs> so, it's so funny because it's a different world in Austin, Texas, right now. It's <laughs> much not like the same. Nashville. They're sort of on parallel destructive paths. They kind of are. Um, yeah, but you know what? Frankly, Austin scares me a little bit more than Nashville these days for some it reason. It should. You know why? <laughs> because, you know, it's – y'all got Bible pounders and <laughs> and uh, and medical worlds very bigger things. Mm-hmm. We got chips. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's making silicon chips. chips. Yeah. yeah, those are scarier. And yeah. now we're making cars. Oh, yeah. you got Teslas, a, yeah. You got Mr. Musk there now. He's in my neighborhood, too. It's like – it's insane. I am so sorry to hear that. Yeah, I know. Oh, you, you believe me. It's like, what happened? Yeah, whenever we said keep Austin weird, that's not what we meant, right? <laughs> but anyway, let's get on with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We could talk. We yeah. could visit all day, Claire. We could. Um, so I just kind of want to hear about like what you're up to these days. Like, what's the latest thing with Mr. The latest thing with the Sleep at the Wheel is we finished our 50th anniversary, mm-hmm. postponed to two years because of COVID. Right. And I've just reformed an, uh, another core of the band and hired uh, a new girl singer, uh, Ginny Mack, who mm-hmm. plays accordion and is from Fort Worth. And I've worked with her for years and finally got her to join the band. So that starts. Uh, so we're rehearsing today and then tomorrow, and then we'll hit, hit the road. But basically, you know, we're still doing 100 shows a year on the road. God dang, man. Uh, there's a new live album coming out next year of... Uh, the 50th anniversary tour with our alumni, with the original band members, and the you know I've had a hundred mm-hmm. people in the dang band, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we had a bunch of them, and then George Strait came and sang a song, and uh, that'll be out. Uh, so we're mixing that right now. We're building a new studio. You know, I've always had a studio, and mm-hmm. um, we sold the property, and we're moving it to our farm out there. Uh, which used to be out there and it's now not out there right yeah it's a still it's kind of a stone's throw now isn't it yeah we've got four longhorns 
20 beehives, <laughs> 17 <laughs> acres, and we're building a new studio. Mel, that sounds like a perfect place for a musician, yes. doesn't it? Yes, and we just finished this record with Brennan Lee that just did okay. really well. And uh, so she went out on the road with us for a month, and she'll be appearing with us at the Americana Festival thing. And so there's that. So anyway, it's exciting. We go to Europe. We're, going just, we're just going to France for one show. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is a French we are going to. <laughs> I have a friend I should set you up with on that one. Uh, oh, good. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, working with Brennan Lee, tell me about how that was for you. Um, she had written a bunch of songs with Paul Kramer, and uh, and uh, they were Western swing tunes. Mm-hmm. And she had grown up really loving to sleep at the wheel. Her parents had our record. And so, and we had worked with her because I love her, her, her songwriting and singing. So uh, she came down to Austin in my studio and with Chris Scruggs and Paul Kramer and with the rest of Asleep at the Wheel and uh, and we made the record mm-hmm. and uh, did real well, you know, top ten record and whatever that means anymore. But still, uh, and then she's been on the road with us. She's an incredible writer and she writes yeah. in different genres. She had the Prairie album because mm-hmm. she's from uh, Northern Min- uh, North Dakota. Mm-hmm. And so there's, and then she had a bluegrassy kind of thing, and then she did a like a, a thing with Jesse Dayton one time. They did a duet album. She's so versatile, um, and uh, so that was that was fun. Um, I did a Jake Shimabukuro record. He's a ukulele player. Yeah. Yeah. I produced uh, four cuts on his last album. Uh, me singing with him, Willie Nelson singing with him, Michael McDonald uh, singing with him, and. Uh, something else <laughs> <laughs> well you know that's like one of my favorite things about you in particular Ray is that you've always been so versatile and willing to work with other people and it's always been a very like nurturing presence I think in music oh yeah, yeah. it's you know it's, thank you very much I, I love doing it you know Willie was my best pal I've known Willie mm-hmm. for 50 years a little more than 50 years but um and I remember him saying one time he had done you know because the joke was you know anybody can do a duet with Willie because you know, yeah. he did he did with all of his friends he said well I got into this because I wanted to play with the folks I liked and, and idolize, et cetera. And mm-hmm. he sure did. And I went, yeah, yeah. And so my talent was sometimes it's appearing, then sometimes it's uh, uh, producing. Just did a little thing with Winona. It was very sad after Naomi oh, yeah. uh, passed away. Um, a lot of people don't know, but me and Johnny Nicholas gave Winona her name when she was 14. Wow, I did not know <laughs> Nobody that. Nobody knows, unless yeah. you read Naomi's biography. <laughs> And she got it a little wrong, but uh, it's a long story. But it's, it's um, and so she came down after the, and uh, she's doing a. It's really cathartic. Is just doing, she's traveling around, recollecting her life because we go way back, before they were singers. You know, her mom was a nurse, uh, uh, and Naomi, and and they would come. There was she was dating our piano player, and they'd come to see us in L.A. and and Chris O'Connell was our girl singer, and and. This was, uh, you know, Winona's like model, and mm-hmm. it's a good model. <laughs> right. Chris was a great singer, and um, so she came down. And me and her did a thing at the Broken Spoke. We filmed uh, Amazing Grace, I think. And being Jewish, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's really cool, man. That's the other, yeah. So anyway, there's that. Then I'm going now. Here's the weird one. In January, I'm going to Jamaica to cut a Ray Benson record with uh, 
Sly Dunbar the, with the the Cats. Me and Tony Garnier, he's Bob Dylan's bass player. Wow, yeah. And I'm going to take my songs and see what the reggae boys do with them. That's pretty cool, man. I'm so, thinking it's going to be really cool, yeah. Yeah, well, it goes back to that versatility thing, which I kind of want to touch on. Um, I think, you know, the, ba- the base of this show is that we talk about Americana music, and we always want to get people's yeah. opinions and thoughts on it. So I wanted to see how you would describe Americana to someone who's never heard of it before. Well, first of all, I called to sleep at the wheel Americana when we started. Right, okay. <laughs> because to me, Americana meant of America. Mm-hmm. And obviously the crafts of America. Yeah. The literature of America. Would right. Be Walt Whitman, I mean, et cetera, you know, this kind of. And, and it harkens back to another time. Um, the term Americana now, which uh, uh, was um, basically used as a catch-all mm-hmm. for music that just was was uh, too hard to classify. Yeah. But it all came from a roots of of um, American music, whether that's bluegrass, Cajun music, country western music, folk music. Uh, I'm going to miss something western, you know. Yeah. But you know, uh, everything that is American. Um, in terms of programming. You know, and again, Asleep at the Wheel, you got to understand, is, is a little, you know, musicological experiment yeah. in terms of all these different styles. Because if you turn on a, quote, Americana radio, it's pretty much um, rock and R&B and songwriter stuff mm-hmm. with a little bit of country music of many different styles, whether it's bluegrass or whatnot. Yeah. Um, so it's it really is a place where they couldn't fit nobody else, which is... Um, kind of strange uh, to my mind but the term itself is very relevant it's it's about people who are creating uh, music in, in um, with an american echo you know that echoes something in american music either before during or the future of um, but it is somehow organic mm-hmm. to america um which is great until you stay but but ray what yeah. about because anyway. uh, like a few years ago i went and played the americana festival in england yeah okay and americana fest uk yeah who uh, uh, i get them all confused the, the americana one is um, uh, yola yola thank you yes and uh, uh, and it was wonderful it was and they just had different accents mm-hmm. right. <laughs> there was some irish folks anyway it was it was uh, it's pretty cool because it's a you know, it's a it's a word that at least you can put to it because, you know, it's so frustrating for me because, yes, we play Western Swing, and, yes, we've done three Bob Wills records, that, and, and they're wonderful, but I've got 30 other albums, and the eclecticism uh, is hard to define. Mm-hmm. So they'll put a label on you. So it's good to have an Americana label, I think, because it's so broad. Right, well, especially for as many albums as you've had over the years. Uh, yeah, but we're still known as a Western Swing Band, no yeah, matter right. what no. I do, <laughs> and that's fine, right? Because I'm very proud of what we did and do, and you got to play Western Swing to be in, in this band. But we got a lot of other stuff too, and, and um, sometimes it gets on stage, sometimes it just gets on records, you know. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's that's my totally jumbled, uh, and you're gonna have to edit it. <laughs> you know, that, I, that's what I do best. Is that it? Um, so, well, you know, on an editing note and. We at Americana Podcast are always looking for a new name for the B3 organ because we 
think that B3 is just too military and not fun. So I want to know what your recommendation would be for a new name for the B3. Seeing as I have a C-100, mm-hmm. which is a B-3. Yeah, right. <laughs> say, How about a C-100? What do C-100. you think of that, huh? <laughs> you know what? That can work, too. I'm all right. I'll take uh, it. But I know what you're getting at because B-3, to be or not to be 3 <laughs> <laughs> but, You know, we are Shakespeare nuts here, so I will take that. That's a really great contribution. With- <laughs> Don't worry, lads. <laughs> <laughs> twer done when twer done and twer well if it were done quickly. Oh my gosh, I love it. Ray, <laughs> that's the best one of the night. Thank you so much, Ray. Oh, cool. I really appreciate you being here and taking the time with us. Same sun burn the sand, melt the mountain snow. I sailed the seas and felt the breeze that only sailors know. I played the king, seen many things, but often bring a tear. You'll see a lot if you hang around for half a hundred years. Five times ten or ten times five times two makes quite a sum. Half of that makes fifty years, boys, it's been quite a run. So start the jam, roll one up and ice another beer. I tip my hat and raise a toast to half a hundred years. An Americana podcast, it is our goal to define and expand on the definition of Americana music. With help from our very own Sultan of Western Swing, Will Vote, this is Will's Pick. Abilene by Plains, from their latest EP, I Walked With You Away. To the rest of the world, Texas is an exotic and magical place that is more like a country than a mere state. Its unique people and landscapes have been celebrated in literature, music, and art for hundreds of years. Of all the varied regions in the vast state, West Texas has been fertile ground for authors and songwriters. Perhaps it's the desolate landscape full of dusty forgotten towns that conjures up images of our past and leads to lyrics for songs and plots for books. Amidst all the rangeland, West Texas does contain several sizable cities, and a few of these have made their way into memorable songs. Marty Robbins uses El Paso as backdrop for two of his signature songs, El Paso and El Paso Town. Terry Stafford and Paul Frazier wrote Amarillo by Morning, which was a huge hit for George Strait. Mac Davis, before he became the famous movie quarterback, wrote Lubbock, Texas in my rearview mirror. And most recently, James McMurtry memorialized Level Land for his song from his 1995 album, Where Did You Hide the Body? This leads us to the city of Abilene, which until recently seemed to have been a bit overlooked by songwriters and musicians. Things changed recently, though, when the duo Plains used it as their backdrop for their song on their current release. Katie Crutchfield, who records his Waxahachie, and Jess Williams are both experienced songwriters who met five years ago and formed an instant friendship and musical bond. I Walked With You Aways is their first collaboration. Written by Jess Williamson, Abilene is a tuneful ballad that addresses falling out of love and leaving a small town. The singer's voice blends well in a pleasing fashion as the lyrics capture the pain of separation and the hope of a better tomorrow, thus making it Will's Pick. My back is to the sunset Cause I want to see your face Glow in the light at the end of the day Glow in the light, I think of you that way My name is William Beckman, I'm from Del Rio, Texas And uh, 
my passion is writing songs and entertaining people. Well, we're really happy to have you. You're amongst, uh, you're on a good show for it. Yes, yeah. uh, I, I definitely feel a little out of my comfort zone just uh, given all the people on the on the lineup, but I, I feel very grateful that uh, I was asked to be a part of it. Yeah, man, it's been, uh, it's quite the lineup. I wasn't really expecting what we had today. Um, but you know, all the same, like all the same to have everyone that did show up, show up has been, uh, quite, <laughs> it's been really cool to have. Absolutely. Um, so I'd love to hear about kind of like where you're at with your career right now, like in terms of recording, touring, things like that. Yeah. So, um, I, I play mostly in Texas right now. I, I, I travel with a band and, uh, and we play a lot of the, uh, you know, the honky tonks and bars that, um, that most people play when they're cutting their teeth, and then we we also get to open up and and be a support act for a lot of a lot of uh, people that are here tonight. Honestly, the Randy Rogers Band, Josh Abbott Band, um, Flatland Cavalry. So it's it's really awesome to be able to to have opportunities to get in front of a large group of people and and, and get the exposure that is uh, sometimes difficult to get, and then also play the smaller shows that we're headlining and have. You know, even if it's 50 people or 100 people come out, like the fact that they all come out to see you play mm -hmm. is really, really a cool, neat experience. So I think just coming out of the pandemic, it's been a lot of navigating that, seeing seeing the, the growth in the headlining in the headlining shows is probably the, the most fun I've had in, in, the, in the most recent years is, is getting to experience that because yeah. I, I would say maybe two or three years ago when I was – strictly a, a support act it, like nobody knew <laughs> who I was so it was it was uh it was awesome a little daunting to, to to be playing in front of that many people when I went when I was living in Nashville playing coffee shops and little little bars in Nashville and then um playing in front of thousands of people and then having uh, that translate into into my my headlining shows growing so that's mm -hmm. kind of where I'm at in my career that's pretty cool. So do you have a record out or anything? Are you I working do. on I, any? I do. I have two albums out, and then uh, the, the third one's all wrapped up, and we plan to release that at the beginning of 2023. So I've uh, been very busy in, in and out of the studio and obviously on the road as well. So mm -hmm. it's uh, keeping me bi uh, keeping my hands tied for sure and busy, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly something. Um, so where did you record this newest one? Uh, the Sound Emporium. Oh, uh, nice right off of Belmont Boulevard. Yeah. Uh, and that's one of my favorite studios in the entire world. So we, we did that and um and yeah, it was great. It, it's great to have just incredibly talented musicians. Mm -hmm. You know, I I write songs and I typically just record them on my phone and I don't um I don't really bring them to to my band until I'm I'm certain that the song is the way I want it and it's it's sort of finished and and oftentimes I don't really work I don't really arrange any instrumentation on it until we're in the studio. So to see the songs or to hear the songs come to life is really a, a neat process for me. Um, but yeah, we had a really good time recording it at the Sound Emporium. Yeah, that's really man. It's a cool studio, and I, I've got some friends who've all like recorded there. Right. All, yeah, it's really the, what an opportunity. Yeah. What kind of made you want to go into being a songwriter? Uh, Radney Foster is is definitely my biggest influence and mentor as a mm -hmm. songwriter. Just uh, the, we're both from the same hometown. He's from Del Rio as well. And growing up, we had uh, one of my high school teachers was actually childhood friends with Radney and and knew that I was taking an interest in songwriting. So he kind of set us up to meet each other, and and he um, he kind of showed me how to how to do it. Really. He, he asked me if I was writing songs, and I really wasn't at that time, so he encouraged me to start writing, and um, 
he, he would let me send him songs and he would he would give me constructive criticism and, and wow. help me fix them and tweak them and make them better and and it was it was a few years of that having that relationship with him before I felt comfortable enough as a songwriter to where uh, you know the songs that I was writing were I felt like they were actually starting to get better and better mm-hmm. um, so Radney is definitely the one that that pushed me into it because at the time I think and I must have been in you know a freshman in high school or something mm-hmm. uh, or, or uh, maybe a sophomore if I remember correctly but at the time I was in a band and we were just playing cover songs you know yeah we were playing all kinds of stuff um, a lot of George Strait songs and and we played all the bars in in um, in Del Rio and it wasn't until Radney it came into my life that that I started taking an interest in songwriting yeah yeah and uh you know, Randy, uh, really, uh, he really is a fantastic songwriter, so that must have been a really cool experience, especially at a, such a young age, to have someone like that nurturing yeah, you as a writer. I, I never, I didn't come from a musical family, so I didn't have the experience that I know some people do whenever they, they have siblings or parents that play. Mm-hmm. Um, I sort of had to teach myself not only how to play and how to, how to sing and how to understand music, but how to how to express myself um, and use songwriting as a creative outlet. I didn't. I didn't have anybody close to me that I that I could share that that th- those kinds of things with. Mm-hmm. And so to have Radney there, it was awesome because it felt like I had like an uncle that was sh- showing me the ropes. And I, when I got out of high school, I went to college for a couple years in Austin, St. Edwards University, and then I transferred over to Belmont University when I was a junior, uh, and so I eventually graduated. Yeah, go Bruins, right? <laughs> I eventually graduated from Belmont, and it was it was great. I got a degree in music business, which, I, I looking back on it, I'm pretty I'm pretty glad I went that route because, again, I had such a strong mentor with with Radney Foster teaching me how to write songs that at that time I didn't necessarily feel like I needed somebody to teach me how to write songs as much as I felt like I needed somebody to teach me how to make a living mm-hmm. you know how to make uh, how to like actually do this professionally uh, and and do it like he does and um or every and anybody here tonight for that matter uh, I didn't really know how publishing worked I really didn't know how contract law and and, and copyright law I didn't I wasn't aware of, of any of that I didn't know the business at all and so Looking back, I think it was really, really cool to um, to have gotten that experience, to have, to have been able to, to have the privilege of going to uh, uh, such an uh, such an awesome school um, with a great music business program. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it is a really great program, um, and it's you know it's one of those things that it's hard to believe that that is a curriculum that exists, and so many people don't really get to know right. about that kind of thing. Yeah. I didn't think music business was like a real program. I yeah, know, like I don't, I don't think ago. I did either. You know, w- one of the points about this show is that we talk about Americana music and yes. like uh, artist thoughts on it, which some people are like, you know, really pro Americana. Some are a little confused, and then we also have had people that are like very anti for some mm-hmm. reason, which um, <laughs> kind of negates episodes. But um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on Americana music in particular. Like, how would you describe it to someone who has not heard of the term? Uh, you know, and Americana is one of those things that it it, it can be a little a little bit difficult to define, but. For me, it's um, it's music that is definitely more rootsy. Mm-hmm. You know, um, all the recording is is done with actual instruments, and it's all some of a lot of it's done tracked live. Um, but it's just genuine songwriting. There's mm-hmm. nothing it, it, to, to me. 
Americana music is a genre of music that focuses heavily on on the uh, lyrical aspect of 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 a song um something that's really going to make you think something that's very poetic um and i love i love all the all the people that i know that that consider themselves in that in that um in that genre and i think that uh i think it's really what people should listen to when they want to focus on on writing the best songs they can you know because uh, going back to to sort of the flip side of things mm-hmm. and, and having lived in Nashville for a long time and having a publishing deal, there's there's different kinds of songwriters that all are chasing a different sort of goal. Um, and some songwriters are very good at writing really catchy melodies and song, songs that would get cut and be a top 20 country radio hit. And and then I've met songwriters who, who you, you can't really put in that category because what they do is so much... I don't want to say deeper, but uh, I, I think maybe a, lot, a little bit more thoughtful, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I love I love Americana music, and I I feel very blessed to get to rub elbows with some of the some of my heroes. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I have to say about Americana music. Oh, that's wonderful. And I have one last question for you. We think it is an absolute tragedy here at Americana Podcast that a beautiful instrument like the B3 organ is named the B3. It's a terrible name. We're <laughs> looking for a new name for the B3 organ, <laughs> and I would love to hear what you would call it. The Vibe Machine. The Vibe Machine. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I'd put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> that's, uh, I don't yeah. know. That's what <laughs> yeah. I would. Yeah. If I invented it, that's what I would have called it. Man, that's a great name. William, thank you of so course. much for being thank, on. Thank you all I for really having appreciate me. It. Uh, it means a lot. All right. Now I can't find a single answer Cause you left me in the dark How am I supposed to carry onward? What am I supposed to tell my heart? There's whiskey in the bottle But it won't be there for long If I keep asking all these questions Wondering if I did something wrong Wade Bowen from New Braunfels, Texas. All right, Wade, we're so happy that you're here at the Robert Earl Keene Fan Appreciation Party today. We really, uh, I know you're going on here in a couple of hours. What are you playing tonight? Uh, they asked us to pick some standards that the band might already know. So I, I did uh, Help Me Make It Through the Night, and then I'm doing a, a Robert Earl song. I think, hey, we're here for the Fan Appreciation Night. I got to do a Robert Earl song. So I'm doing a I'm Coming Home. That's a great one, man. You mm-hmm. hit for the I'm Coming Home tour, no less. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so um, tell me how about how many records you have out currently. Oh, gosh. Uh, I think I just released 13. 13 the 13th records. record, yeah. When did that come out? August 12th. Uh, it's called Somewhere Between the Secret and the Truth, and uh, we've been working it like crazy. You know, I have bags underneath my eyes, just like tired, and just could be trying to get it out there, so. Yeah, I mean, that, uh, that kind of tour press is, are you doing tour press currently? Oh, yeah, tour yeah. press and shows and nonstop. I guess I shouldn't complain on this bus, because... You know, the band, the Robert Earls band, everybody's just been running ragged. I've been watching it, so I shouldn't complain about being tired, right? Actually, I think this is the fairest place that you can probably (laughs) complain about being tired. Everybody gets it, right? (laughs) Everyone understands this is a very judgment-free zone whenever it comes to, like, lack of sleep, for sure. Uh, So how many tour dates are you kind of looking at this year, then? Same as always. You know, I probably do 140 Mm -hmm. on average right now. I'd love to do less. Yeah. But, um we're just we're still I'm you know with the record and everything but even without a record I, I still love to be on the road and 
the only time I really set aside for being home is Christmas time. You know, I take a couple of weeks off at Christmas, and then everything else in the year is fair game. So um, 140, 150 shows a year is still still is part of my routine. It's crazy to say that. Tell me about how you first started um, and, like, how different that is from now for you. Oh, well, I don't know. I mean, when I first started, I was just cruising around in a pickup truck with a 5 by 8 trailer cramming everything in there, you know, just – begging for a hundred bucks here wherever I could and so uh but it's funny like no matter how far you go in your career how many years you've been doing it it always still feels the same you know I still feel like I'm out there with a purpose you know just to survive you know in Mm -hmm. a good way you know like I don't feel like it's a luxury or anything no matter how big or small a show gets you still feel like I still love being on stage for all the same reasons that I did when I first started so um it's quite different, but it's still the same. What was your first stage experience? Like, can you describe that to me and kind of like what made it something you wanted to do? Yeah, you know, I'd always dreamt of doing it. I just uh, didn't really know what, what anything was like. I mean, I didn't grow up in a family where we were on stage. Nobody was. So the first time I actually got on stage, it was I was so nervous. But um, I just remember the, you know, your focus, so, especially then when you're first starting out, your focus is solely on the band and the songs and trying to like not mess them up, you know, and um, and then you do it long enough where you get to a point where you're actually talking to a crowd and entertaining a crowd. And so it takes a while to get there. I think at first you're just mesmerized by actually being on stage behind a microphone trying to learn, trying to not mess the songs up, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and would you consider yourself more of a Texas country artist or do you think this kind of like goes across country for you now? I feel like Texas country is like a very specific identity. Yeah, I mean, I, I like to, I like to think we're more, uh, instead of Texas artists, I like to think we're like artists from Texas. Yeah. That's a better way to say it, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, the the beauty of Texas's music and the music in Texas has always been the diversity of it all. You know, it's you can play anything from rock and roll to blues to Tejano to swing music and all. So um, I love to being an artist from Texas because there really are no rules. You can write and play and sing whatever you want. And I love being able to take that to the masses. You know, mm-hmm. we... When you go play in Europe or, go, you know, tell stories from, even if you're not saying Texas in the song, you're still t- telling stories from your childhood or, you know, from your life. And so I, I really love how people all over the world love to hear stories from from this from this area. You know, it's really neat. It's really fun for me. Yeah, it's a, there's a, definitely like a fascination with the area specifically, and it does seem to have its kind of own um, wealth of influence. Uh, do you find that it is something like that for as a songwriter specifically whenever you're writing, or do you pull more just from, like personally, do you pull more personally, or do you I, seek outside I pull it? a lot of personally, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm kind of an open diary kind of a songwriter, mm-hmm. probably, you know, against my wife's, you know, uh, <laughs> against her, you know want me to do that very much but uh yeah I, I think I think I'm better at that I think I'm better at being open and honest than trying to create stories or characters I'm not I'm not that's a little bit more difficult to me I do love to do it but as a writer I, I think I'm better at, at writing about things that I know yeah what are you some of your current influences and have they changed uh yeah I think they're well I don't know if they change you just you kind of listen you know you music always changes mm-hmm, right so right. you're always drawing from from different people I'm, i try to try to be current with what i listen to mm-hmm. um i have two sons that are 14 and 17 so they're constantly that's a good age fe- for you know yeah. you know they're feeding me stuff that i would never listen to i would never know about like lord huron and you know my 
my older boy's all about Panic at the Disco, so I would never listen to this stuff, but when they put it on and tell me to listen to a song, I respect their uh, opinions, you know, and, and uh, my other son's obsessed with Elvis, so it's like diving into all that, too. So it's it's great, you know. I, I love I'm always finding new music to listen to. I'm a fan first. I mean, I'm a fan first of music before I, any of this other stuff I do. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to, since this is the Americana podcast, and we did talk a little bit about Texas country already, and I know this is a very <laughs> fast interview, and I'm... It's okay. Um, you got a lot of people going on. Yeah. Um, but I kind of want to get your thoughts on Americana music and like, it, it, like, it, would you consider yourself as part of the genre or if you have thoughts on like what that genre is? If it is a genre, I don't know. Um, some people really yeah, kind of are adamantly against it. Some people are against it. I don't know why. I, I think it's, what I love most about Americana music is, is, is going back to that thing that doesn't seem there be any rules. Like mm-hmm. you're, you, a lot of people can fit into that Americana, um, uh, world if they really want to you know yeah and uh i think that's really cool i i love the diversity of it all i think that um you know i i think all of those influences that i just talked about all of them mm-hmm. have americana you know at, at, yeah at times you know so um i, I don't know I, I think it's a wonderful term to call you know if somebody wants to call any song of mine americana i'm i welcome it with open arms mm-hmm. Like I said, I don't know that I specifically um, go for anything. I don't know if I want people to call anything, you know. Yeah. Um, I just like being able to play it all. So, uh, but the few times that they have called my music Americana, you know, through the, through the years, I've, I've, I've been very, very appreciative of it because I think that says a lot. I, I've, I think it's a, a, a group of, uh, it's a genre of music that has a lot of high standards. And so if, if anyone throws you in that category ever, it means that, they really respect the song or really respect you as an artist. And I think that's a high quality that everybody, you know, really wants and strives for. Yeah, that's a really nice way to put it, I think. So how would you maybe define the term to someone who has never heard of it before? Americana? Yeah. Oh, gosh, that's the hardest (laughs) part, right? It's (laughs) like uh, same with Texas music, you know, it's like hard to define it. Um, I would think defining Americana is (laughs) rooted country rock i don't know I mean, there's no yeah. way to describe it and i think that's the biggest way to describe it the right. best way to describe it is there is no description mm-hmm. um it truly is uh, you know it truly is a wonderful open arms style of music genre of music that i i, I really love it and like i said i'm honored when anybody says hey come play the show i'm playing americana fest you know in nashville in a couple of weeks and that's a huge honor for me to just be a part of that, you know. So oh. I love it. Diversity. Yeah, you know, it that's is. That's it. And I know we're looking forward to Americana Fest. Like, we'll be there um, for a couple of things, and it's it's such a great time. Um, so I'm going to finish up a little bit. We here at Americana Podcast uh, think it is an absolute tragedy that an instrument uh, na- like the B3 has a name that is the B3. So we are looking for a new name for the B3 organ. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, you're I'm, making me be witty now. I'm not very little, witty. <laughs> I'm not. I'm uh, not either. This is why I make it other people's job. Oh gosh. <laughs> Glory keys. I don't know. Glory keys. I like it. <laughs> no, that's like. Good... <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a great one. Wait, I love that. That's. <laughs> I can't wait to put that on the next round of t-shirts. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm gonna regret saying that one probably. <laughs> And you know what? We've heard everything. It's still better than B3. Come it on. is better than B3. We the had, glory keys. Um, we had uh, Billy Bob Thornton on uh, an episode recently, and he called it the roadie's nightmare. The roadie's nightmare, <laughs> yeah. yes. 
So we've heard Amen a lot that. of different names for it. Um, so we really appreciate your contribution. And I really appreciate you just sitting down and talking to me for these 10 minutes. And I'm going to let you go back and enjoy the party. Oh, my pleasure. I'm Amen. happy to chat with you anytime. So Great. thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Wade. I really appreciate Cheers. it. Cheers. Thank you. Yeah, I am Josh Abbott, and originally from Idaloo, Texas, uh, which is outside of Lubbock, but I have lived in Austin or the Austin area for 12 plus years now, so I'm, you know, at some point in time, I guess I'm going to have to say I'm from Austin, but I kind of dread that day. Yeah, you kind of, I, I, it's good, sounds like you're getting to the point where you kind of have to say it. Well, you know, I thought you once start, you're like a decade in, you yeah, have you to. Yeah, you start thinking, uh, oh man, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I've lived there over a decade. I mean, at some point in time, you have to claim it. Yeah, I think it's like whenever you have like really strong opinions on which way to get to Maddie's, yeah. is like whenever you have to say that you're from Austin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go to order at uh, what's that place? We Matzel Rancho. Yes, right, right, exactly. Um, so, what are you up to lately? What's going on with you? You know, honestly, I feel like I'm in a phase of trying to figure out who I want to be as a musician in the next chapter of our career, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Yeah. It's not intentional, but, um, you know, we recorded, we've recorded, I, in my opinion, some really great albums over the years. And there's been a lot of growing lessons and curves and pains, right, associated with that. And I just feel like we've, we've continually gotten better and better. And the last record we put out in 2020, the highway kind, I thought really just raised the bar for us. It mm-hmm. was, Super cool. It was us, but there were some moments where it felt a little bit experimental and different um, outside the box of what, you know, we're supposed to stay in in terms of being quote unquote Texas country. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been obviously putting out some projects with the Panhandlers, which has been a huge passion of mine for the last few years. I mean, I love it, love it so much. Um, and recently I put out some EP, or I put out an EP of some cover songs I did. Mm-hmm. And um, I've got more on the way. Um, songs that I recorded actually during COVID, during uh, the end of 2020, early 2021, went in the studio with a group of guys, not just my band, but a group of guys in other bands. Mm-hmm. And we just recorded a bunch of cover songs, and I had a bunch of different lead singers come in and sing the songs with me. And um, all the royalties from the streaming and everything go to our uh, philanthropy, our 501c3 Jab Cares. So it's kind of a Jab Cares project, just total fun, right? Covers with friends, meant to be a lot of, you know, a positive thing. But we went and recorded a record earlier this year, and I'm sitting on it just wondering if it's what I want to put out next. Wow, that's a really big uh, kind of place to be in terms of the crossroads. It is. It's the first time ever in my career I've been in that spot. Yeah, okay. It's not that the stuff that we recorded isn't good. Mm-hmm. I think the songs are great. I think the quality of the musicianship on the record and the producer and everything is right there. But something about it isn't registering home for me. And so I almost wonder if I need to reevaluate. Okay, what Josh Abbott Bam, what has that been over the first, you know, 14 years, 15 mm-hmm. years? Now what is it going to look like for the next 15? And mm-hmm. I almost feel like... There could be a change in the way we sound uh, moving forward. And so, sorry for the really long-winded answer, but it's a really no, interesting question I, I, I think about every night. To no, be honest. that's it. 
I sat down and talked to my band about it uh, the last two weekends really in a row. Just said, what do we want to sound like? You know, are we sure that the record that we just recorded this spring is the record we want to put out? Because it, it just sounds like a sequel to the last record. Mm-hmm. It just sounds so like cruise control. That I can't imagine what that must be like, especially it, when you're talking about like the next 15 years. Mm-hmm. You're looking that far ahead yeah. as an artist and especially as a band. And you're keeping your band's uh, input in this discussion as well is really interesting yeah you know those guys have been with me a long time mm-hmm. you know most of them some of them have joined over the last five years but yeah several of them have been with me over 10 years so you know it's only fair to ask those guys what we want to do you mm-hmm. know because it a lot of people depend on what we do right you know, for their income mm-hmm. and their families and their kids they depend on what we do my wife and our kids they depend on me to make an income at the end of the day it's not just art it's also business yeah Art and commerce. But I've reached a point where I'm really examining, is this the art I want to put out? Yeah, so and that doesn't mean I regret any of the art that we've put out previously at all, by any means. Of I was course proud not. of every project we put out at the time, and honestly, most of it I'm still proud of. But, um, but yeah, moving forward, I'm just kind of like, man, what do I want my legacy to be? And at what point do I need to shift the way we sound? And how would that impact bands and touring? And does that mean we'll make less money? Does that mean it's a big risk? So, yeah, that's what I'm doing now. That's pretty, I mean, do you have kind of like any like influences maybe going into that shift that you're really looking at or maybe kind of stepping away from? Well, you know, I just look at different bands. I think Mm -hmm. like, you know, we could definitely approach this um, and get more progressive. You know, we could do the whole like Mumford and Sons thing where we, Take what we do and then make it more electric. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Oh yeah, ditch the like ditch the banjo thing that they did. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. our banjo player would probably be mad if we ditched the banjo, but <laughs> <can't do> uh, <laughs> but uh, you know maybe bring in some like synth bass mm-hmm. and do something really experimental and something that almost sounds more progressive. Maybe what Texas country could sound like in ten or twenty years. Right. You know, or do we go, no, you know what we actually need to do is we need to take it back a notch. We need to make records that sound like the 1970s and 80s. And so, as weird as it sounds, that's where I'm at. I don't know if I want to take two steps into the future or two steps into the past. And those are really, and especially because like there kind of seem to be like this rise in like the the older sound particular, in particular, like we're seeing with uh, artists like, Charlie Crockett or Sierra mm-hmm. Farrell totally. or uh, Culture Wall. Yeah, right? totally. So there is that rise, and it is, I think, being well-received in particular. So to look at either the past or the future are both really interesting places. You yeah. mentioned Texas country, like the, specifically talking about the future of Texas country. I kind of want to get your thoughts on it presently and maybe mm. what that could be. Texas country, you know, I don't pretend to be an aficionado or anything, but mm-hmm. obviously I've been passionate about it for 20 plus years mm-hmm. you know I'm 42 now and I started listening to Texas country in college so um it, it seems to me like it's definitely gone in waves um we there was a phase where that fiddle was super important to Texas mm-hmm. country right from reckless Kelly and Pat to mm. Randy um to obviously us mm-hmm. you know and then the other bands at Op Turnpike and you know, it's a big uh, one. Cody Johnson, mm-hmm. others. 
a lot of people put a lot of significance in the fiddle. I think it's a massive part of Texas country. But I've I've noticed recently, it seems like all the young, quote unquote, up and coming bands that we are kind of identified with that open for us at all these shows, they're more of a rock band. Mm-hmm. They they're all they're all playing electrics. Yeah. There's no fiddle. There's no banjo. There's no dobro. There's no mandolin. There's rarely steel. It's just literally bass drums, electric guitar. Yeah. And that's really interesting because it feels like we're entering a phase of where Texas country music is more of like, I don't want to say southern rock, but country mm. rock. Yeah. And uh, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure what to think about it. But that all that means is 10 years from now, I think it'll just be a big, massive switch to something more traditional, yeah. something more honky-tonk. Talk, maybe talking about that 70s thing that you were talking about earlier. Yeah. That honky-tonk swing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and obviously that's the stuff I really love. The pendulum you know. goes back and forth. Yeah, the pendulum always goes back and mm-hmm. forth. Um, so I'll be interested to see what the next phase is. But right now it seems like all the young guys that are coming up, man, they're just a rock band. A lot that's of times, from Texas. Yeah. And it's almost like, well, are you really Texas country? And then that becomes a di- you know, question of identity. Yeah. Because you know, the context of that. Well, the context of that to me, I'd be like, no, you're not really Texas country or rock band from Texas, but mm-hmm. well, does that matter? Because of all the fans that listen to them think that that's what Texas country. And then it, it that if they think that's what Texas country is, and all of a sudden it assumes that identity. Right. Uh, you know, right. I read this uh, book recently. Um, I think it was by Khalifa Sana. And I think he was talking about rock music in particular and how we have this, kind of constant fight of what rock music is and rock belongs to whoever is in control of it at the time is what he kind of determined which is like rock music's defined by who's has it at that moment there is no going back or forth of like well this is what rock used to be and maybe that's something where Texas country kind of is yeah I mean it's for sure interesting Mm -hmm. because I mean I think if you look at most of the names that are coming up in Texas country right now you wouldn't be like, that's the next Robert Earl Kane. Nah. nah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know if I, I, mean, I can be open about that one. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a, there's a few names, mm-hmm. you know, for sure that really like, you're like, wow, they have that artistry and, you know, songwriter mentality and, you know, just the delivery mm-hmm. almost of, of Robert and some of the guys that came before me. But um, a lot of them don't, but I'm like, we're all, we're all looped into the same wormhole. We're all put in this box, right? Right. Well. And it's almost weird. It's like, we're only put in this box because of geography. Because some true. of us are more Americana. Some of us are more rock. Some of us are more Southern rock. Some of us, honestly, if you took a look in the mirror, might be a little bit more mainstream than we think. Yeah. So do you think there's, since this is Americana podcast, do you think there is kind of a difference between Texas country and Americana? Or do you think that That's they're kind really of like umbrella-ish? There's a, that's a great question. I, I would say yes. Mm-hmm. And the reason I would say that is because of the proof, right? Mm-hmm. Because, um, like, I'm friends with Casey Donahue, Aaron Watson, mm-hmm. guys like that, right? Real country. Yeah. Real honky-tonk. Americana's not going to play their records. Uh, at all. True. Probably true. Yeah. And that's not an insult to them, but it's just the truth. They don't. You know what? They don't play Josh Abbott band records. They do not. No. So... As much as I love Americana, mm-hmm. we're not Americana. My side project is Panhandlers. Mm-hmm. I think that's the one that really toes the fence yeah. because it's Texas country, but it's also Americana. Right. Um, but to me, Americana is always going to be based on the sparseness of production mm-hmm. and the integrity of the lyric. Yes. And um, 
Yeah. So I, I do think there's a difference between the two. Yeah. So is that kind of how you would define Americana music to ma- someone who maybe has never even heard of the term before? Yeah. I mean, that's a good question. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> how do you define a, a genre to someone who's never heard of it before? But yeah. I would be like, I mean, I think if you listen to six or seven songs that I'll play for you, mm-hmm. you probably pick up pretty quick on just the overall, you know, feel of that. Yeah. It's not super electric. It's not overproduced. Um, you know, a lot of it's live track mm-hmm. on tape. Um, sometimes there's a beauty in, I don't want to say the flaws, but sometimes, you know, Americana doesn't really tend to overthink a mm-hmm. section of music. They just play it. Right. It's a Whatever little... lives, lives. Mm-hmm. Whatever that moment was in the studio, it'll live forever. They don't try to re-record it 18 different times until they get it perfect. Yeah, w- we had William Beckman on uh, about about 30 minutes ago. Um, but we had William Beckman on, and he specifically said, and you know, he's a young artist, but he specifically brought up, like, live tracking is what really makes a difference in Americana music now. Yeah, yeah. totally agree. And mm-hmm. that's why I think Panhandlers, uh, the side project I'm in, which I guess if people mm-hmm. are listening, I should explain. It's me, yes. William Clark Green, Cleto Cordero of the Flatland Calvary, and John Bauman, and mm-hmm. Bruce Robeson has produced a record for us. We have another record that's recorded that's slowly going to trickle out over the next, mm-hmm. you know, six to eight months, and we all, you know, that's live track stuff on tape. So yep. to me, that felt very true to the roots and the, you know, the definition of Americana. Like I would stand on, I would die mm-hmm. on that mountain. But I would never do that with my Josh Abbott band project stuff because, I mean, yeah, as cool as I, as much as I would love to be included in the Americana world, Mm -hmm. you know, I just know that we're not. So that's cool. That's okay. I can still totally appreciate it and respect it and listen to it all the time without having to be included in it. Yeah, I really love your clarity on it. Um, That's really, I think, speaks a great deal to who you are as a person, maybe even as you as a songwriter in particular, because I always thought that you have a lot of clarity in your work. Oh, in particular, I appreciate it. Yeah, um, and we're just gonna start wrapping up here a little bit because it is a short interview. And one okay. of the last things that we ask here is uh, on Americana podcast, mm. we are searching for a new name for the B three organ because we think the B three is not doing it any just justice. <laughs> so I would love to hear what you would call the B three organ hmm. if it was up to Mr. Josh Abbott. The B three. Um. I'm curious why 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 do you not like the name B three? It's just too military. It's just not fun. It's a beautiful yeah. instrument that creates a lot of atmosphere and sound. And we're gonna call it the B three. Come yeah. on, man. Huh, man. What a great question. I mean, really, the B three is the <clears throat> biggest pain in the ass to tour with. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> so no. R- how do we make an acronym out of the biggest pain in the ass instrument? <laughs> I mean, Billy Bob Thornton uh, on our last episode <laughs> called it the roadies nightmare. Yeah, totally. It's <laughs> heavy. <laughs> Super heavy. <laughs> yeah. Like when we go in the studio, sometimes he'll want to bring it. And, yeah. and then it's like, oh my God, like seven of us have to unload this thing. And I'm always worried like someone's going to tear an ACL. <laughs> I'm so freaking happy. It's like insane. <laughs> I'm surprised someone hasn't really made uh, like a serious electronic version of it that's lighter. Yeah, you know, actually, our our keys player now he he plays on a Nord live. Yeah, one of the red ones, mm-hmm. you know. But I'm like, man, it just doesn't do it justice. So he's actually getting a B3 chopped. Okay. Um, there's some places that that do that to where mm-hmm. it kind of takes away some of the weight, but it still has the warmth and the sound of it. Got so. It. That's what we're about to do, so we should have that new version of it soon. So. Yeah, you should have a new name for it, too. All right, let me just call him. <laughs> He's going to go. Phone a friend. Because I guarantee he'll have a name for it. <laughs> he'll love this, too. 
Hey, I knew you'd answer. So, David Fraylin, can you hear me? Yeah. You are live on the Americana podcast. Uh, Robert. Uh, hey, hey, hey. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and I had a very interesting question proposed to me that I literally could not come up with an off off the cuff answer. Um, so the B three they feel like is such an outdated name. It doesn't really do the instrument justice. And they they asked me. If I could rename the B3, what would I name it? I would rather you answer that question. Do you have a cool uh, nick? Do you have a cool nickname for your instrument? Yeah. Uh, well, the uh, the B3. I feel like if we were going to have a new name for it, we could just call it the Voice of God. The Voice of God. The voice of God. That's <laughs> great. I love that. It's, it's the original synthesizer. It the is the original. With depression era technology. See, I love it. We this even is why got, I called you. I hope this is all going through on the. Mic. It is. It's going through on the mic, and man, I am so excited to right, have well, it. When this my, airs, my you just read. Is uh, named Booker. Booker. <laughs> Booker. Okay, after voice Booker, of God. Jennings. Yeah, great. Yeah. Parentheses. Right, we're Booker. gonna we're gonna go with Voice of God. I'll let you know if it wins. <laughs> Sounds good, buddy. All right. All right. Thank you. Right. Bye. Care, all right. Bye. Well, there we have it. There you go. The, the voice, voice of God. God. Great. Well, Josh, thank you so much for being on. <laughs> Thanks I really for having appreciate me. This yeah. is cool. Thanks so much. All right. My roadmap's got a jagged reputation. My review don't hold grudges or regrets. There's Justin's on the asphalt. At Americana Podcast, we would like to thank Jason Bolin, Randy Rogers, Ray Benson, William Beckman, Wade Bowen, and Josh Abbott. We'd also like to thank Mark McKinney and the folks at Floors for letting us record there. Americana Podcast is brought to you by Keen Productions, edited and produced by Clara Rose, with original music by Kim Warner. Until next time, let the music play. Music